Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are. Good day. <laughs> I'm Ray with another podcast episode. The weather, it's, uh, hang on, time first of all, quarter past six, Friday morning. That's the 12th of August, 2022. Nice and early. Blue sky, 22 degrees Celsius, which is about 71 Fahrenheit. Yeah, blue sky, no clouds, bit of breeze, which is nice. Apparently today is going to be, what did they say, 30-something, which is extremely hot, obviously, especially for the UK. We're not used to it. Over the South Downs there, I'm looking towards the north, and uh, clear blue sky. Yeah, quite a breeze, which is nice, actually. I've been sitting outside. I was sitting outside in the garden, half past five. Lovely, absolutely lovely time of day. Okay, let's get started. I've called this episode the summer of 76. Who remembers the summer of 1976? Only those obviously in Britain will remember that because I don't think the summer was red hot the world over. <laughs> but you've probably heard about our summer of 76. By the way, noises, I've got the window open in here. So if you hear traffic and lorries and stuff like that, well, not lorries, but just traffic, then that's what it is. I've got the window open. It's a lovely time of day and there's a cool breeze coming in to my sophisticated studio. Now, 1976, that hot, hot summer. It really was hot. I worked at a marine electronics company repairing things like radar, ship-to-shore radio, sonar, echo sounders, all that stuff. And it was a great job. I loved it. In the workshop, it was 95 degrees Fahrenheit. We were in Fahrenheit in those days. What's that in centigrade? I don't know. I'll find out in a minute. In fact, I can ask my watch. I've just got uh, an upgrade on my Fitbit watch. And on here, you can ask Alexa things. So if I press that and say, Alexa, 95 Fahrenheit in Celsius. 95 degrees Fahrenheit is 35 degrees Celsius. There we are, Alexa on my watch. I mustn't keep saying Alexa. So yeah, it was really, really hot. Absolutely roasting in the workshop. We were expecting our first baby. And the pay at this place, you can work it out. I got £30 a week. That was the basic sort of wage, 30 quid a week. Then they took tax and national insurance off that. It was hopeless. Absolutely disastrous money. And of course, having a new baby... Uh, you know, my wife didn't work, so we had the mortgage to pay, and I was getting 30 quid a week. I loved the job. That that was the thing. I loved the work in the workshop. I remember one evening, the boss said to me, right, come Monday morning. This was a Friday evening. Come Monday, I'll pick you up at six. We're going down to pool in Dorset. I said, OK, fine, six o'clock, which he did. I didn't get home till half seven that night, and the same on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So all that week, I was doing six in the morning to half seven at night. That's when I got home. We were working down in pool on, on people's yachts. Yeah, we didn't do ships, but private yachts, fishing boats, which I hated. I don't like boats. I don't like the sea. <laughs> I don't know why I did the job. Well, I didn't know that the job entailed going out. I thought it was in the workshop, which was only a couple of miles away from where I lived. And I got my wage packet. No overtime. That's odd. No overtime. So I mentioned it to him the following week and he said, oh, no, it's, it's mostly travelling time. You know, we don't do overtime. I thought, oh, OK, that's not very good, is it? 30 quid a week. I'm starting at six in the morning, getting home at half seven at night. Anyway, 
this happened a couple more times and I thought, I, I'm not doing this. I don't like this job. Well, not the job. I don't like the money and the hours. And then he said to me on one Friday, do you want to come in tomorrow morning at nine o'clock Saturday? That was my day off. I only had the two days off, Saturday and Sunday. He said, we need to tidy up and organise the stores. That's where all the electronic components were kept. I said, OK. Yeah, he said nine till 12. I thought, yep, three hours. That's good. Came to 10 o'clock. We've been working for an hour and we were just chatting as we were sorting out the bits and pieces. And he said, well, thanks for coming in. And I said, no, not at all. I said, yeah, what with the new baby and the mortgage? I said, I could really do with the money. And i never forget his words ever. It was over 40 years ago. He said, oh, no, we're not getting paid for this. We do this for the love of the company. Can you believe that? The love of the company. What? I didn't love the company. I enjoyed doing the repair work in the workshop. Love of the company? Stone the crows. I was the only one in the workshop. I was obviously by this stage fed up with the whole thing and they employed this other chap to help me. He had his bench on the Monday morning when he started and uh, the boss said to him, right, there's the first radio to do. Put this radio on his bench, told him it just wanted servicing or whatever it needed. And then the boss went off and sat in his office as he always did, doing nothing. Come lunchtime, you know, we were chatting this new chap and myself while we were working. Come lunchtime, I'd done a couple of radios and he was still on this one. And the boss came in and he said, oh, are you having a problem with that? And this new chap said, actually, yeah, I'm a bit stuck on this one. And the boss said to me, Ray, why aren't you helping him? I said, sorry, I thought he was here to help me get through the repair work. Oh, no, yeah, but he's new. Yeah, he's, he's not done this job before. What? He's never done this job. But what do you mean? What was he? Apparently he worked for the telephone company. I don't know, doing something with telephones. Never done radio, radar, sonar. Oh dear. Disaster that was. I had to go to Hailing Island. The boss said, right, go to Hailing Island tomorrow morning and you can take the new chap with you. I had to go and install a transmitter on a boat or something. Drove down there with this chap. I'm installing the transmitter. This chap's sitting there in this cabin thing, he went to sleep. I thought, well, that's a lot of help, isn't it? Good grief. Anyway, the next time the boss said, look, can you, you know, take him with you, go to Hailing Island? I always had to go there on my own. I said, no, to be honest, I, I'll just go on my own. It's uh, <laughs> it's easier. I didn't want to drop this chap in it, you know, but um, I would rather go on my own. And in the end, the boss would say, oh, no, no, take him with you. I said, look, it, it's not help. It's a hindrance having him there, OK? I'm going on my own, which I did. Another thing... I'm not going to go on about this, but uh, another thing, I didn't get any petrol money. I'm driving all over the place in my own car. No petrol money, no overtime, no nothing. Anyway, I left. I said, I'm handing in my week's notice. Oh, I am surprised, the boss said. And then he said, oh, actually, I'm not surprised that you're not really up to the job, are you? <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm hopeless at this. That's why I'm leaving. And I left. And that was the end of that. Good grief. What a dreadful lot to work for. So that was the summer of 76. I mean, it was a great summer. When I left that company, most of my life, I've been self-employed. I think I've said before, when I left that company, I just did my own thing. I knew a lot of the people that, uh, the local fishermen that had boats, when they heard I was leaving, they started contacting me. I, I sort of inadvertently let slip my phone number when I was talking to each one of them before I left. And of course, word got round. So I was doing the work from home, far better all the money was mine <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Back in those days, there were good jobs and bad jobs. A lot of them weren't very well paid. The funny thing is, I knew a, a girlfriend of ours and she was working uh, at a shop at Woolworths. You've probably heard of Woolworths. They've long since gone. She worked there. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe it because we were just talking. I was saying I was getting 30 quid a week before tax. And she said, uh, she didn't say stone the crows or grief or struth or anything like that but she said crikey if I remember rightly crikey 30 quid a week and I said that's right awful money she was on 50 50 pounds a week working in Woolworths (laughs) and I said well I'm on more than that now because you know I'm working for myself from home far better near that aeroplane lots of aeroplanes around today Jobs in electronics have always been badly paid. You know, when I was in the radio and TV uh, workshop, the the money there was just dismal, absolutely dismal, grisly even, grisly money. There's a good word. So 76, yes, it was a great summer. I remember going down to the beach after work one day. That's when I was at the marine place. Measly £30 a week. Went down to the beach after work. 95 degrees Fahrenheit in the workshop. Met my wife. Now, this is before the baby arrived. She was pregnant. Actually had the baby in 76. So we're down on the beach. I'm in the sea. I can't swim. So I'm just sort of paddling and splashing around. (laughs) And she was sitting on the stones, heavily pregnant, saying, I'm too hot. I want to go home. And it was hot. I took her home. I had to cool her down. Shouldn't have taken her down there, really. Well, I didn't. She met me down there. We we'd arranged to meet. But 76, that was a fantastic summer. I don't remember anyone talking about climate change or global warming. It was just, oh, this is a great summer. Let's enjoy it while it lasts. I don't remember anyone saying that. There were water shortages. Hosepipe ban, of course, not allowed to use your hosepipe. Can't clean your car. Can't water the garden. And there were standpipes in the road. Uh, Not where we were, but in a lot of parts of the country. And they were giving people water. I think they must have cut the water off to the houses and you have to go out to this sort of standpipe thing in the road and fill up buckets or containers or whatever. So it was a very dry, a very dry summer. Uh, There was a drought. In fact, what's that? Email, news, flash? I don't know what's going on. In fact, I just heard on the radio when I was having a drink of water just now. This morning, they are going to announce that we are in a drought, officially a drought situation not quite sure what that means. I'll have to check up on that. Oh, here we go. Uh, Met Office weather warning. Yellow warning for London and South East England. Thunderstorm between six o'clock, uh, oh, on Monday morning, six o'clock Monday morning through to midnight. So we could have thunderstorms Monday. They have been talking actually about showers on Monday, but showers aren't any good. As a chap on the radio said earlier, no good having showers. We need not torrential rain. We we need decent rain for at least kind of 24 hours non-stop to make any difference at all. Because then there'll be flooding. We'll get all the flood warnings next. People have said it's dreadful. Apparently in the UK, we haven't built any reservoirs for 30 years. Well, the thing is, we don't normally get summers like this. It's Well, the last one was 76, wasn't it? I believe. Don't think there's been anything like this in between. Maybe a few days, but nothing where it's prolonged. I think 76 was 10 weeks, I read somewhere. I can't remember myself. And this has been, what now, a couple of weeks, is it? At least a couple of weeks of this intense type heat. 
maybe three weeks. It's the same with the runways at Gatwick, Heathrow Airport. People say, oh, a little bit of snow in the winter or ice and the planes can't land or take off. It's not a little bit of snow or ice. You get a severe couple of days out of 365 days. That's why they don't heat the runway. You know, to all that expense heating the runway for a couple of days of perhaps extremely cold weather. I mean, obviously, if we lived up near the North Pole, everything would be heated. Railway points and all sorts would be heated. But there's no point, is there, when it's just a few days each year? You never know how true things are that you hear on the radio or telly or read in the paper. But I did hear yesterday that apparently a couple of reservoirs were filled in and sold off for land to build houses. I don't know how true that is. I mean, everyone lies, don't they? MPs all seem to <laughs> tell uh, falsehoods. Journalists, I sometimes wonder about journalists, how far they drift away from the truth. What was it? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> That's quite funny, actually. Talking of journalism and stuff, the BBC used to be world-renowned for reporting properly, telling the truth, proper news stories from all around the world. You know, they were, the BBC were the news broadcaster in the world. Now, it seems, I mean, I don't listen to the BBC, but now it seems from what I've read everywhere and what I've heard, they seem to be, what's this woke stuff? I, I still don't quite understand what woke is. Is it complaining about anything and everything? A friend of mine's woke. And I said to her, what does it mean? She said, oh, well, it's, it's complaining about things that you find offensive. And I said, yeah, but some people seem to find everything offensive. Oh, no, no. And did she explain why she is woke? I, I don't understand it. Going back to the summer of 76, people just got on with it. They didn't complain or moan. <laughs> if someone said something offensive, you just ignore them or give them some offence back. <laughs> That'll do. I don't think you can give someone some offence back, can you? You can offend them, but uh, you can't give them some offence just been out to see the rabbit. It's really hot out there now. And he is very old. And I don't think he's going to be with us for a lot longer. And of course, now he's very hot. We've put a bowl of ice cubes in his hutch. He's got a huge outside run, but he's staying inside, of course. And we've just set up a fan. We've got a big electric fan that we were using ourselves in the dining room. Well, we've now taken that out and it's blasting onto him. We're not blasting. <laughs> it won't blow him away. But it's, it should be keeping him cool or certainly helping to. As I say, I don't think he's going to be with us for much longer, which is sad. I've just had lunch and I've been wandering around for the last couple of hours trying to cool down, find the coolest room. So I'm back in the studio now. Under our patio roof is 41 degrees Celsius, which is 105 Fahrenheit. That gives you some idea of the, the sort of conditions here. Clear blue sky, slight breeze still. I believe, where are we, Friday? It's going to be the hottest day, apparently, on Sunday. And then, of course, Monday, all the thunderstorms and hopefully some rain. I think we are now, I did hear something on the radio earlier, we are now in a drought condition. We are now in a drought situation. You can hear electric saw going in the background. There's all sorts going on today. Fridays are normally quiet especially Friday afternoon. People finish work, they chill out, they relax, but there's all sorts going on. Now, we'll have a break from 76 for a minute. I just want to talk to you about Jenny. Jenny, hello, Jenny, not her real name. Emailed me, 
a couple of I've printed it a couple of sheets of A4 quite a story this is going back to last Sunday's episode about people lying to each other if you remember Jenny bought herself a flat this is ages ago not now she had a good job moved into her flat paying the mortgage everything was great and she met this chap lovely chap they got on really well together he lived in a bedsit a bed sitting room. I think you'll probably know what that is. I've talked about bed sits before. Basically, it's one room in a house with your own door, which you lock. And in there, you've got a like a single bed, television, a kitchen sink, a little tabletop cooker, a fridge. It's all self-contained in one room. So he lived in a, this bed sit. He was at work a lot of the time, so he didn't want to pay out for a flat. He was hardly ever home. Uh, you know, just It was a base, just somewhere to sleep to somewhere perhaps to, to cook on the odd occasion. So they did, she went to his bedsit a few times. She went out with him for a year or so before something dreadful happened. And if they were going to have an evening in or spend the night together, it was always at her flat. Jenny says that she had thought it odd that he was just in this bedsit. He was quite a bit older than her. She doesn't say what ages they were, but he was about 10 years older than her. And she couldn't understand why at his age, you know, he didn't have his own place or at least something better than just this single room bedsit. But he came out with the various excuses, various reasons. He travelled a lot in his job. He was always busy. He didn't want anywhere more, really, than just a base. They made their plans. Jenny had decided to sell her flat and they were going to buy a place together. Apparently he had some money. He had plenty of money. So that wasn't a problem. They were going to buy a place together and eventually perhaps get married, have kids, whatever, you know, as people do. And Jenny was looking forward to all this until one day she'd parked her car by a, a park. There was a, a park where there were kids playing and people enjoying the summer. And she happened to see him talking to a lady who was with a couple of children. And she thought, oh, I'll go over and say hello. Once he's finished chatting to whoever she is, I'll go and say hello. He got into his car with this woman and the two children got in the back and they drove off. So she followed in her car to the outskirts of town. He pulled up in this driveway to a lovely house and all four of them went into the house. Now, she's thinking in her mind, it's just a friend. It must be a friend, someone he knows, could be a, a work colleague, could be anything. She waited for a couple of hours and he didn't come out, so she eventually drove home, wondering what on earth was going on. She'd not had any suspicion before, she says. I'm, I'm just reading notes I've made from the two sheets of A4. Jenny hasn't written it as I'm telling it. She'd just written a load of notes, if you like. The next time she saw him, she didn't want to mention it. She just wondered whether he'd mention it. And she said, you know, what sort of day did you have? Uh, on on this particular day where did you go were you busy at work he didn't mention anything about this other woman or this house but of course her suspicion now was rising when he was next at work she went round to the bedsit and rang on one of the doorbells you know there I think it was she said there were four yeah four bedsits in this house four doorbells she rang on one of the others not his one and a chap came down and she said oh hello is uh I'm making up these names of course is Mike Smith around? I think I've got the wrong doorbell. And he said, no, Mike, no, no, he's, he's not here. And she said, oh, OK, I'll come back later. When will he, do you know what time he gets in? And the chap said, well, he doesn't live here. So Jenny said, oh, 
Uh, I must have got things terribly wrong. I thought he lived here. Oh, no, no, no. Mike's the landlord. He owns the house. He lets out the four bedsits. It goes without saying. That's a dreadful expression. What do they mean? It goes without saying. Well, why say it if it goes without saying? <laughs> it goes without saying that she was devastated. She was in a state of shock, as she put it. She didn't know what to do. He'd obviously lied. He didn't live in the bedsit at all. He owned the house. What was going on? And who was this woman and the two children? Next time she saw him, again, she didn't mention any of this. She just asked about the bedsit and had he thought of ever moving from there and getting somewhere decent. And he just came out with all his lies. So she drove round to the house where the, the woman and the children were one morning and she saw the, the woman put her two kids in the car in their school uniforms and she drove off. And as Jenny suspected, she came back a little bit later. She'd taken the children to school. Jenny went and knocked on the door and she said, now, uh, excuse me, I mean, this must have been awkward for you, Jenny. I'm just sort of laying on how it would have been a little bit because just to read your words here, you need a little bit of a bit of drama with it. So Jenny knocked on the door. She was shaking with fear and anger and <laughs> no, not at all. The lady answered the door and Jenny said, uh, look, you don't know me, sorry to trouble you, but I need to talk to you about Mike, Mike Smith. And the, the lady said, uh, Mike, well, what about him? Who are you? So Jenny said, well, I've been seeing Mike for a year and I've just discovered he's married with two children. Now, she didn't know at this stage that he was married to this woman. She was just putting two and two together and coming up with this. This woman looked absolutely shocked, stunned. And after a bit of a pause, she said, you better come in. Jenny told her everything about the, the bedsit where Mike was supposedly living. She said that they'd planned to, or they'd talked about at least, buying a place together. He often stayed over at her flat. She told her everything. And the lady, Helen, Helen said that she'd been suspicious for about a year because he'd had to work late. Some nights he'd stayed away, he said. He, he worked at a, a medical company, apparently, and he went round to various hospitals. And when he was in London, for example, he stayed overnight. If he had a couple of hospitals to go to, to look at medical equipment, I'm not sure what he did with it, perhaps repair medical equipment or whatever, I don't know. But if he went up to London or further afield, Winchester, she's mentioned, then he would stay overnight. Or so he told Helen, his wife, anyway. And between them, they worked out various dates and he lied. That's when he was staying with Jenny. So they hatched a plan. They actually became very good friends. I've got to tell you that now. They became very good friends and they still are very good friends all these years later. They hatched a plan. Jenny arranged with Mike that he'd stay over that Saturday night. Mike, of course, told Helen that uh, he's working away. Oh, I've got to go up to London, Winchester, wherever. Working away, won't be back till tomorrow. Helen said, yes, that's fine. Off you go, no problem. Mike went to Jenny's flat. They had a meal, a takeaway meal. About 10 o'clock in the evening, Jenny made sure they were both ready for bed. And as she's put it here, half naked. <laughs> I'm just trying not to picture that, Jenny. Doorbell. Jenny went and answered the door. She walked back into the lounge and said, Oh, Mike, it's someone to see you. Me, he said, looking obviously stunned. No one knows I'm here. <laughs> in walks Helen. Hello, Mike, she said. I can just imagine this, Jenny. I can imagine this happening. It's like a thing on the TV, isn't it? 
like something in EastEnders or Coronation Street where the wife walks in and catches the husband. He just stood there apparently, mouth open, you know, jaw on the floor or whatever the expression is. And she said, sorry, I won't trouble you for long. I've just come to say that uh, on Monday I'll be going to the solicitor to start the divorce proceedings and don't bother to come home. I've had the locks changed, which he had. And with that, she left. She didn't give him a chance to say anything. He just stood there. She'd gone. And Jenny said, what's going on? Of course, he then said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. He started a load more lies. That's my wife. We aren't seeing each other. We split up ages ago. She's just trying to cause trouble. Now, obviously, he didn't know that Helen and Jenny had had a, a coffee chat together, a coffee morning at, uh, at his house, the marital home. And Jenny had discovered that the, the house with the bed sits, I'm getting a rough voice now. It's getting hotter and hotter. I must get something to drink. The house with the four bed sits actually belonged to Helen's mother. Nothing to do with Mike. There was one of the rooms which was empty, which Mike had obviously been using, that uh, he had said he'd been trying to let out, but no one had been interested. So he was coming out with all these lies to try and cover his other lies, just digging himself deeper and deeper. And in the end, Jenny said, look, you better go. You know, you're married. You're married. You better go. She didn't say that she knew about the two children or the house or anything like that. She just said, you better go, which he did. He got his clothes and off he went. As Jenny says in her email, she was basically just his bit on the side for a year. So she was totally devastated. But she became very good friends with Helen, as I said, and they still know each other today. It's awful though, isn't it, when you think of the lies people tell each other. It's dreadful, really. I knew a, a chap, he was going to work abroad for a year. And he said to me, this is back in the 60s, he said, look, while I'm away, my girlfriend, can you kind of look after her? I said, what do you mean, look after her? He said, I don't want to think of her sitting at home on her own. He said, when you lot go down the town the weekend, perhaps on the odd occasion, you could take her, pick her up, take her down there so she can see everyone. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, she can just phone me whenever she wants to go. And uh, that's fine. So he went off for a year and on the odd occasion, she'd phone me. Oh, Ray, you know, can you give me a lift this weekend? Yeah, fine, no trouble. It worked out well. She was still in with with us, you know, our crowd. When he got back from working away a year later, I bumped into him and he didn't speak to me. He just totally snubbed me, walked off when I'd said hello. And a year after that, he didn't speak to me for the whole year. I saw him, bumped into him in the street. Oh, hello, Ray, how are you? And I said, oh, you're talking to me now. I said, what was all that about? You didn't spoke to me for a year. His girlfriend, ex by this time, had told him that I'd been making moves after her, you know, I was trying it on with her, all this sort of thing going on while he was away. I said, well, you only had to ask me. I'd have, I'd have put you right. See, of course I didn't do anything like that. Wouldn't do that to a friend. It transpired that she'd been seeing someone else anyway while he was away. So the whole thing fell apart. But you fancy telling lies, that girl, telling lies about me like that. I'd been good enough to pick her up, take her downtown, make sure she got home safely. I even bought her drinks because she'd never had much money. I kept her in with the, the crowd of us and that's what she did. Dreadful. I knew another couple. They'd been married, what, 30, over 30 years. And for some reason, he started playing around, going out with someone else on the side. They had their children, they had a house. Everything was fine. It was lovely. Why do that after 30 years? You hear of this, don't you? After a long, long marriage... 
suddenly one of them starts mucking around. I don't know, perhaps people get fed up, do they get bored? I really don't know. I don't understand it. Oh, that reminds me. Well, no, that doesn't remind me. I had the uh, result of my knee x-ray. Did I tell you I was having my knee x-rayed? I did, didn't I? Because it's been aching now for, is it eight, ten, ten weeks? Three months? I don't know. I twisted it, getting mother-in-law's shopping out of the back of my car. It just went click, and that was it. Been painful ever since. My mother's been saying to me, you'll have to have a new knee. Or you will. She had a new knee. Thirteen and a half thousand pounds. <laughs> she had to pay privately. You'll have to have a new knee, she said. I said, no, I won't have to have a new knee. I'm only a youngster, a mere boy. Anyway, I got the result. I can't understand it all. All these medical terms. So my sister-in-law is a nurse, which is retired now. So I sent it to her. And she replied, she said, don't worry, it's osteoarthritis, is it? You won't have to have a new knee. Obviously, I've got to check with the doctor because he'll tell me he's got the results. She said, you'll probably have to do exercises, take anti-inflammatory tablets, or I don't know. But I don't need a new knee, so I won't have to spend (laughs) £13,500 privately. My mum had to go privately because the NHS waiting list, I think I told you, two years... They said, well, by the time you've done that, your knee would have crumbled away and there'd be nothing they could do about it. So she had to go privately, 13,500. Friend of mine, did I tell you all this last week? I've no idea. I'm getting repetitive in my old age. He's had an aching hip. So he went along to the doctor. Oh, well, x-ray that. He's got to have a new hip. How about that? 14,500 pounds for a new hip. Either that or wait on the waiting list, which again is two years or more, apparently. I don't know. Anyway, that's the good news. My knee is okay, even though it aches and clicks and things at times. It's nothing deadly serious. Listen to that. Another aeroplane. That's Shoreham Airport. Busy. See, once the sun's out, that's it. They all go and jump in their planes. I get the results, actually, probably at the same time the doctor gets the results. Because on my phone, on my iPhone, I've got the NHS app. And I get things on there. I can look on there and it's got all my health record and the latest results. That's where I found it yesterday. I just had a look. Oh, look, there's the x-ray result. Very useful. So all's well that ends well. Well, it hasn't quite ended yet, but it it will all end well. Oh, another thing was lose weight. I'm trying. I am trying to lose weight. I'm doing pretty well. No beers in the week. I've cut out crisps, cake, biscuits. Not that I had a lot of that stuff anyway, but I've now cut it out totally. Oh, I've got to have a blood test. (laughs) Listen to me. It sounds like I'm phoning my mum. Whenever I phone my mum, hello mum, how are you? I've been to the doctor. I've had a blood test. I've got the result of this. I've got some tablets. Good grief. So I'm sounding like my mum now. Anyway, I've got to have a blood test. I don't know what that's for. It's just a regular thing, I think. They're very good at my surgery, my doctor's surgery. They keep everything up to date. You know, they keep an eye on me and, well, someone's got to. (laughs) Trisha does. She keeps an eye on me. Talking of beer, it is Friday, so we'll be popping up there later this afternoon. Not till about five o'clock, something like that, just for an hour. A couple of beers. Trisha will have uh, one of these, is it uh, grapefruit gin? All these gin flavours they have these days. Back in 1976, let's go back there for a minute, you had gin and tonic. Well, that was it. Was it gin and it? was one, basically gin. Gin was gin. Now... There's all these different flavours, aren't there, of gin. Incredible. And they're now doing all this with cider. Have you heard about that? 
instead of cider, which is just made from apples, they're having flavoured. So you get cider with strawberries or raspberries or whatever. I don't know. I saw some advert for it. They're trying to make cider more exciting. And apparently a lot of people are turning to cider. I think lager in Britain, at least, from what I've heard, lager is now becoming far less of the main drink. People are into real ale. They're into these flavoured gins. They're into cider. There are lots of different wines to choose from now as well. In the old days, it was pint of bitter, pint of lager, cider, Guinness, of course, pint of mild, of mild, that was lovely, but it was awful stuff. And then you had baby sham, cherry bee, and basically vodka, gin. And then things like, is it still around? Dubonnet, do you remember Dubonnet? Martini, oh, I think that must be still around. All these drinks, but we didn't have everything flavoured. Do you remember when Alco Pops first came out? A lot of people were annoyed because they reckon they were designed to attract children trying to get children into alcoholic drinks, I suppose, for as they grow up, then they're old enough, they go to the pub and they're used to alcohol. I don't know, that that was the conspiracy theory anyway. I really don't know. I used to have lager when we went up to the club, but I don't now. I don't think I ever have lager now. At our club, they've got something called London Pride, which is really nice. Mark, what is this dry throat again? It's probably talking about beer. No, it's not, it's the heat. So I'm looking forward to that. I just have two pints of London Pride and then we come back here and we have our dinner about six o'clock, something like that. And then we will sit in the garden because I'm hoping by then it would have cooled down a bit. It's just getting hotter and hotter now. I've just been outside to investigate because I can smell something burning. It smells like a bonfire. I can't see anyone deliberately lighting a fire in this weather, although you never know. But I can't see anything. The smell's gone now got to be very careful. I'm very vigilant at the moment looking out for fires because everywhere is just so dry, including my throat. <laughs> I don't think that'll catch fire. But everywhere is just, it's like tinder, you know, it really is dry. They were showing us on the telly last night, the new forest. The chap was saying, look underfoot as he was walking. He said all these twigs or brushwood, leaves, everything is just so dry. And he said, drop one cigarette end into that lot and it would go up because there have been fires in the new forest. They reckon it's people with these disposable barbecues. How can anyone in this sort of weather with everywhere bone dry like it is, how can they take a barbecue out to the countryside and just leave it there or whatever they do to set fire to the place? You think people would have more sense? Of course, all the news at the moment, TV, radio, newspapers, it's all the heat wave. The blistering heat wave thing is catching fire. Same back in 76. All the TV, the radio news, newspapers, all about the heat wave, the summer of 76. And then before that, we had the winter of 62, 63. That long, who remembers that? It went on for week after week after week. All this snow had fallen and it just stayed there. It just stayed there for weeks. I was just a child at the time and I loved it. But even me... After a few weeks, I got fed up with it. You know, it's all turned to slush. It's gone grey and dirty and horrible. Fed up with it now. For the first week or so, it was terrific fun. But of course, it just turns into slush, doesn't it? Awful stuff. And then at night, it freezes. So you've basically got in the roads along the pavements just huge lumps of ice. Well, I mustn't talk about the winter. Mind you, I could do with a bit of cooling down with some ice at the moment. 
But it's funny, us Brits, we're known around the world, aren't we, for talking about the weather. I remember as a child, neighbours talking to my parents, grandparents, always on about the weather. Get out of bed in the morning, look out of the window, oh, it's raining. Or look, oh, the sun's out, oh, it's a bit windy today. Everyone seemed to be then and now obsessed with the weather. Does it matter? (laughs) I used to think when I was young, does it matter that it's raining? Of course, my dad, you know, he only had the weekend. He only had Sunday off. He worked six days a week. So Sunday in the summer, that was his only chance to get into the garden. Of course, if it's absolutely lashing with rain, that sort of ruined all his plans for the, the Sunday, the day off. But we are obsessed, though. All we talk about is the weather, you know, to the point where it gets boring. I'll tell you what, I won't mention it anymore in this episode. <laughs> and that's a promise. Well, it's now Saturday and I have a far less croaky voice. I just heard something on the telly this morning. Do you know Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends? You've probably heard of that. There's Thomas the Tank, there's all his other friends, engines and things, and there's the Fat Controller, is the man in charge of the railway. Apparently, we are not allowed to call him the Fat Controller anymore. It's offensive. Good grief. My stomach is fat. That's why I'm on a diet. I'm trying to get my stomach down a bit. But it's fat. What other word is there for it? Uh, Large, bigger than normal, larger than average. I mean, it's fat. Look up the word fat in the dictionary and it explains it. Why can't we use a word that's in the dictionary? Anyway, as far as I'm concerned, he is the fat controller. He always was, he is, and he always will be. And I think from what I've been... (laughs) I looked this up on Twitter... Sorry to be going on about Twitter again, but uh, it is quite quite interesting and quite fun at times. And people on there have been saying, if we're not allowed to say the fat controller anymore, I'm going to say it a lot more than I would have done. <laughs> so people are now deliberately going to say fat controller, fat controller. I don't know. I really don't know where this is all going to end. There's something very wrong somewhere with the way it's all going. Where will it all end? We won't be able to say anything to anyone, will we, in the future? I don't know whether I mentioned yesterday I could smell smoke. I thought someone had lit a bonfire, which would be pretty daft in this weather. I am keeping an eye out. I know I said I wouldn't mention the weather again. I'm not. I'm telling you about something else. I've been keeping an eye out for fires, and I could smell this smoke yesterday. I had to look out of the windows, couldn't see any smoke anywhere, went out into the garden, nothing. What it was, there's a graveyard up the road from us, about, what, half a mile away, I suppose, it was on fire. And there's a picture on, again, on Twitter, of uh, just all the gravestones sticking out of the ground and all the the earth, the grass, everything has gone. The flowers, they've all gone. It'll grow back, of course, but what a shame. They reckon, from what I read, the fire uh, brigade people reckon it was a glass bottle. Of course, acts like a magnifying glass, doesn't it, with the sun on it. And you only want one blade of grass. Well, it wasn't grass. It was it was sort of hay in the end, wasn't it? It's that brown and dry. That's it. One little bit catches fire. The whole lot's gone. And also down near the sea, near us, there's a place called Goring Gap, which is basically just a big field. That, I saw a photo of that with smoke all over the place. That's on fire. Some houses near us, uh, not far from one of the big supermarkets, apparently in the garage compound... Three cars were on fire. I don't know how the cars have caught fire. Again, perhaps a glass bottle, I don't know, on the dashboard or wherever. 
caught the plastic dashboard alight. I'm not sure, but three cars were on fire. Uh, where else was it? Hazelmere, not far from, was that 30 miles from us, is it? I don't know. Picture of a, a barn. It looked like a, a farm with this barn on fire. So we really are getting affected, not just by the heat, you're overheating ourselves, but fires all over the place. It's incredible. But apparently on Monday, now this is, the, I said I wouldn't talk about the weather, didn't I? Well, this isn't the weather. <laughs> I'm talking about thunderstorms. That's not the weather. Well, it kind of is. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, rain and now severe thunderstorms on Monday. Fantastic. As long as it's over the channel, we can go down to the beach and have a look at that. That's lovely. In the evening, going down to the beach. Saw some photos, some of our family, they've put on um, WhatsApp. That's what I always forget what it's called, WhatsApp. They're swimming in the sea and there's the moon. Because it was a full, was it a full moon or whatever they call it? A blue moon or something. And there's the moon shining on the sea and they're in the sea swimming. Fantastic photos. I said Hazelmere, didn't I? I meant Hailsham. Do you know, I think it's old age. Oh, I just heard, talking of old age, I'm not, I'm young. On the telly, they were, <laughs> I saw, well, I don't have the telly on all the time. It's just when we wake up, we put the telly, well, I put the telly on just to catch up with the news. And of course, the, the latest weather forecast. Here we go, I'm mentioning the weather again. They were saying that uh, Mediterranean type food, down there, they have a lot of salad, don't they? Olives, olive oil, oily fish, all this sort of the Mediterranean diet, as it's known as. They were saying that it is so good for you and a lot of people would benefit because it not staves off, but it lessens the chances of dementia, Alzheimer's or whatever. I think yeah, dementia, what's the difference? I don't know. And they were saying three tablespoonfuls of extra virgin olive oil every day is really, really good for you. And you will notice the difference of when you take this within days. Now, I've always liked olive oil. Trish puts it on the salads for me and stuff and I dip bread in it. But three, what's a tableful, a uh, table, is it tablespoon? For what's a tablespoon? There's dessert spoon, teaspoon. I don't know, you have different things in America. In America, you measure things by cups, don't you? A cup of flour. So I don't know what a cup is. <laughs> You'll have to look it up. Look, if you want to do this, a tablespoonful, you need three a day. And you'll notice the difference within days. So I'm going to start from today taking three tablespoons, well, not drinking it, but measuring it out, chucking it on salad, putting it in a bowl, dip bread in it. Because you, you dip bread in it, don't you, and eat the bread. I like uh, fried bread. Who likes fried bread? I know it is disgusting if you cook it in lard. Well, disgusting in as much as it's a lot of fat. But if you do fried bread in olive oil, that's really nice. Trish can't stand fried bread. She doesn't like anything fried, and I must admit, I don't. Fried eggs are okay because they don't soak up the oil or the, the fat or whatever, do they? You can dab it off with a, a cloth, a tissue or something. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, if you want to get healthy and uh, avoid, what was it, um, dementia, then three tablespoonfuls of, it must be extra virgin olive oil. Now, I don't know what that means. I thought the virgin was a virgin, but apparently there are extra virgins. So I'll have to look that one up. So by Wednesday, uh, the midweek message on Wednesday is now Saturday. Here we go. We've got messages coming through. I will notice the difference. I will be healthy. I will look younger. My stomach will be, well, my abs, isn't it? Abs, a six pack. 
I will be muscly and looking extremely young. Well, no, it didn't actually go that far. But I should notice the difference after, well, within days is what they said, within days. Right, just before I start drinking olive oil out of a bottle, uh, Brent, hello Brent, he's just uh, emailed the other day saying that he hasn't actually known any compulsive liars. Remember the episode? It was last Sunday, wasn't it? But he does know of one. I'm not going to mention who that is. Uh, He's an American politician, put it that way. So (laughs) Brent does know one compulsive liar. I will answer your email, Brent. It's been too hot to answer emails. That's my excuse. No, no such thing as excuse. That's a reason. That's the reason. Now, Ray, hello, Ray, my namesake. He says, we're talking about words, weren't we, some time ago. The way people use the word absolutely. Isn't it hot today? Absolutely. When they mean yes. He says about, you look up the word absolutely in the dictionary, you can't replace the word yes with absolutely. That's interesting, Ray. Good point. And what gets me, what's this latest craze or fad? People saying, so, you know, did you go to the pub last night? So I was going to, but had a change of plan, stayed at home. Why so? Will you be going shopping tomorrow, do you think? So it depends what I'm doing. So this is something now that everyone is saying. And of course, there's my my biggest bugbear, whatever that means, my biggest gripe of all. Some think, any think. <laughs> oh, dear. What, there's no such word, is there? Some think. But that has caught on. I've noticed now an Australian was on the telly the other day and he said something. And there was an American on the telly. What was that? Some interview. And this chap was saying, what was it? Everything. I don't understand that. But there we are. Who am I? I mean, the world is changing now so much and so fast. I just can't keep up with it. Fat controller. Oh, sorry. I've offended someone. (laughs) Love it. I, what I like, going back to Twitter, there are people on there that are deliberately, uh, unpolitically correct they're anti-pc so they are (laughs) deliberately coming out with all sorts of things that you're not meant to say such as fat controller fat controller (laughs) reminds me of when i was in my teens driving along and uh, you see a girl now this is this is the days of miniskirts i better not talk about that i'll probably offend someone but they were great days the 60s were fantastic and the girls the majority of them gave back as good as we gave them, if you know what I mean. I'd shout something out of the car window and they'd they'd shout something back. Equally, I was going to say equally rude, but it wasn't rude. Equally good fun. It was a laugh. I do miss those days. I think in every episode now, every Sunday episode, I say that I miss the 60s. I really do. The older I get, the more I miss those days. Fish and chips in newspaper. Wonderful. Talking of food, in Leicester, there's a roundabout, you know, in the road, an island called Pork Pie Island. Apparently, some vegans want it renamed to Vegan Pie Island. Now, it's been Pork Pie Island because that's what it looks like since the 1930s. And the vegans are offended. I've, I mean, I've got family members who are vegan. I'm vegetarian. I don't eat meat. I haven't done since I was at school when I was forced to eat liver and stuff. That's what put me off. But I don't think we should change the names of things like a roundabout in the middle of the road, you know? 
I don't know. I really don't know. As I say, the world is... What is happening to the world? Vegan Pie Island. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Email me. I'd love to hear what you think about that. Uh, raise rants at protonmail.com. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Can you hear that? Seagulls have gone mental. Blue sky, lovely day. I'm going to go and sit in the garden. I shall end it here. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast episode. It's always good fun for me. I love it. I love rambling on for not quite an hour. I never seem to quite make the hour. Where are we? 48 minutes. I suppose the last 10 minutes, I, I don't know. I feel if I ramble on anymore, I might bore you. So have a good week. I shall see you on Wednesday after my three tablespoonfuls of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil every day. Keep cool, stay well and look after yourselves. Bye bye for now.